following announcement has been paid for by Wild Games Productions. Hi, I'm Larry O'Moore, and you're listening to Roll for Initiative. Hi, fellow Americans. This is Max Hedrum. And what you're about to witness is one of the most sinister-sounding intros to a trailer. For Initiative Podcast, where 1E is the place to be. This is Roll for Initiative Podcast, Volume 5, 176. We are back! Vince with Nick and Matt. Hello, everyone. Hi, everybody. And we're back finally with the show. I know people have been wondering what's going on. We just had a little hiatus while we figured a few scheduling problems out, but we are back, and the show is rolling on. The steam engine goes on for Roll for Initiative. Yay. We come back with guns a-blazing. Choo-choo. <laughs> There's no guns in Roll for Initiative. Stop that. <laughs> All and right, that, with crossbows a-blazing. That's better. Yes, much better. Much we better. do not believe in black gunpowder here. So, um... Matt, what have you been up to since we've last spoken to you over a month ago? Uh, well, I just came back from the uh, annual uh, cabin con with my gaming friends, a uh, weekend where we rent a cabin on a lake and board game all weekend. So that was glorious fun. Got some Battlestar Galactica in, uh, played a new game, uh, Brewcrafters. It's kind of a Gricola, a Euro-style game, but you're actually running a brewery. Hmm. So you huh. have to get the rear, the uh, resources. It, you buy the resources, you make your beer, you sell it, you make money, you score victory points, so, and you build up your brewery. And So that was really fun. Yeah, um, it sounds kind of cool. This Euro yeah, style. I want that game. <laughs> Yes, yes, Nick, I highly recommend it. You uh, can't brew actually crackers. drink anything. You can't brew actual beer, Nick, so no. No. Oh. I know what you're thinking. <laughs> mm. Sorry. But Who if, says I can't? Uh, sure, you can if you want to. Sure. I have a microbrew set here. Okay. Well, well cool. there you go. You could actually run your own. Maybe Yay. we need an RFI-branded beer. Oh, that'd be Ooh. cool. Yeah. Yes. Some sort of dragon ale mead brew. Maybe you, hey, I know, Nick. You can hook up with that Blackstone guy and call Blackstone's beer. Yeah, there. What? Oh. Sure. Okay. <laughs> and Blackstone's vault would be the private selection. Yeah. With a private reserve, yes. Mm. Yes. But you have to find him because, you know, he just collects a paycheck and runs away, so. Right. He doesn't yeah, run away. He gallivants. Oh, gallivants away. He gallivants while and laughs maniacally, and he has a cape. I I am envisioning him wearing a cape and a top hat. Yes. No, not a top hat. No top hats. No. Does he got the curly mustache that he twirls like snidely whiplash? Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, Nick, what have you been doing in the past month? 
Um, let's see. Uh, been doing my Castle Greyhawk campaign and used uh, first time used Roll Twenty. Yeah. For I love it. I am totally sold on Roll Twenty. Is making my life as a DM so much easier. <laughs> so, I mean. And it's really fun to use. I, I love uploading all them up the maps and also learning how to use a, another program, GIMP. Yes. And so you can make your own little um, little icons and stuff for it. So I've been having a lot of fun with that. And it's been really great for all my friends that have been playing along too. So is, very, very fun. Is your campaign public that people can follow it or is it a private one? I'm just doing a private one right oh, now. Okay. But... Um, yeah, we'll see. I might, I might put, I might put a notice out. We'll see. Right, just I mean, right, Some people like right. to watch just to just to see what's going on. Oh yeah, yeah. That's I could probably do something like that. I mean, right now I got uh, ten players now. Wow. Something like that. Yeah, it was a, <laughs> even before they stepped into the dungeon. I mean, <laughs> one of the youngest players, obviously a very inexperienced player. He's playing like a second level fighter and he he does random stuff. Just I can't explain it, but he did something rather silly <laughs> by, you know, kicking the high level NPC thief in the face. I'm like, "Why why would he do such a thing?" I'm like, "Okay, you go right on ahead and he learned his lesson with, you know, having the thief stab him in the gut with a poison blade." So, it's like you don't do those things. <laughs> yeah, really. Bad, bad monkey. <laughs> hey. So, he was, yeah, he learned his lesson, at least I hope he did. But, yeah, overall it was great. Had, had a real good time. Cool. Yep. How about you, Vince? What have you been doing? Uh, You know, taking care of life, things like that. I've, I've been playing in a local game here at... Uh, the Reaper store, actually, uh, mm -hmm. East, called East Texas University, made by Savage Worlds. I, I mean, I looked at it at first, and I'm like, eh, it looks kind of corny, but, I mean, the, the game is was described to me as um, Buffy the Vampire Slayer meets Scooby-Doo meets Saved by the Bell. <laughs> okay. So, basically, in this game, you're a bunch of college students dealing with the paranormal at East Texas University, and you still have to go to school and take tests and everything. <laughs> oh, so I'm like, first I'm like, meh, that sounds like it's going to be just lame. And then a bunch of other people online were like, no, 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 stay away from that game. It's just stupid. So, you know, I like to defy the um, authority. So I actually went and sat in a game and I had a blast because it was so much fun being a college student and being, you know, a, a, a jock with a, with a baseball bat going after a ghost. So, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so we had to figure out... Um, the mystery of of one of these dead spirits that was still haunting the campus, and then we had to take our midterms, and I passed. So you know. Oh yay! Yeah, good. Yeah. It was a fun time. It was a good break from the normal game, and I'd probably play it again if they if the guy ran it again. So. That sounds fun. It's different. Yeah, Why it, not? It's different. Yeah, it's. Uh, I like you know paranormal, supernatural type games. So that was kind of fun. Mm -hmm. But that's uh. What I've been up to. I wonder what is people... it. Is well, it kind of tongue in cheek? I guess. Oh, for yeah. the most part. Yeah, big, big time. It's one of those type games. Okay, cool. It's fun. It's it, it's a lot of fun. I mean, the, the dice system for Savage Worlds. I only played in a couple Savage World games, but uh, 
I like the I like the combination of different dice and how it explodes and everything, and how you can use bennies and stuff. It was it was a different from the same old same old roll d twenty type thing. So yeah, that sounds cool. Yeah, I I enjoyed the uh, session that I played in. So yeah, and then I played in a couple uh, first edition games at the, the local store and then painted some minis while there. What's really cool about the Reaper store is that buy any mini in the store you want. You can go in their painting room and use their paints to paint it however you want and take as much time as you want. Oh, shameless oh, plug. Wow. <laughs> yeah. Here we go. Free painting supplies? I'm there. Yeah, that's There's pretty a, sweet. They have a, a club there that meets every Saturday and Sunday. You can go there and spend as much time as you want, use as much paint as you want to get your project done. As long as you buy one of their minis, they don't care. That's pretty darn cool. Yeah, that's awesome. <laughs> and there's no yeah. fee either. Like, you don't have to, like, pay a monthly fee to join the club. It's just, hey, you show oh, wow. up. And they have, like, people there that have been doing it for so long. They're kind of like the advisors, I guess, or experts. And they, they'll show you, they're like, oh, maybe you should do this or that. And mm -hmm. the setup is great, too, because you have little places you can place the mini on so you don't get paint on your hands. And wow. you have a magnifying glass thing in front of your face. Sounds so. like they go all out. Oh, yeah, they have an entire room dedicated to this. Nice. I, I liked it a lot. I mean, I, I painted a couple uh, of the uh, Reaper Bones stuff that they had that were just white, so I wanted to paint them. Most people don't paint them, but I was like, yeah, I want to try painting it. Sure. Anyway, so. What... Traveling Matt, what about you? Matt already told us what he did. Yeah. He did? Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. Because remember, I was in a cabin with a bunch of board games. Oh, that's right. That's right. Sorry. <laughs> Oh my goodness! I I need some sleep. Yeah, Nick, Nick is <laughs> tired this week, folks. Um, <laughs> let's uh, just jump right into what we got this week. I was scouring through some archives that we have, some products that people have given us over the time over time, and we decided to pull out an OSR related product. It is called Dun 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 The Beast Folio Volume One. It is a Labyrinth Lord compatible project by Broken Tower Games. And it is, I believe, a pay-what-you-want product. Mm -hmm. uh, it is designed, um, written by Stephen Morella. I'm probably pronouncing that right. And art is done by Joanna Ballendorf. You sure you're pronouncing that right? I uh, probably am, yeah. Okay. <laughs> and you could check out, they have actually have a blog where they have creatures randomly thrown up there every once in a while called creaturespotlight.blogspot.com. And uh, I'll throw that information up along with an email address to contact them directly. But um, this is meant more for Labyrinth Lord, which is compatible with First Edition because you can get the AEC in there. Mm -hmm. So they have four creatures with this, and I'll just go over the names real quick, and then we'll go into a little more details. So the one creature they have is the Chaos Ooze, which is really cool. Yeah. And the Ocular Jelly, or um, I'm pronouncing it right, Ocular Jelly? Yeah, Ocular Jelly. And then we have a red-legged scissor man, which at first looks kind of corny, but when you read into it, whoa, boy. Creepy. And, yeah, and then we finally end with the steam beast. Now, each of these creatures have a background, combat information, how they work, and they have adventure seeds. So in case you're looking at this creature and you're like, man, how can I use this in my adventure? I mean, why would I really want this supplement? Uh, okay, Adventure Seed. Okay, cool. He gave me three options here. Maybe I can warp one of these into a side adventure or something. I don't know. But, Nick, which one was your favorite out of this one? 
I would have to say my favorite one is the very first one, the Chaos Ooze. I love this thing. All right. Cool. It, it, over that one. Because it being totally random, <laughs> and I'll throw the players for a loop. So, do um, you want me to go ahead and get into the details on this guy? Oh, yeah, please. Go ahead. Sure. So, first one, the Chaos Ooze. It's usually number of encounters, only one alignment neutral. Movement is 60 feet, so was pretty good. Armor class, variable. Hit dice or eight. Attacks, variable. Damage, variable. Yeah, it gets interesting from here, folks. So, a pretty good amount of, of XP. So, the background in this thing, they say the Chaos Ooze comes from the plane of chaos and they get to the prime material plane through some sort of breaches that come through to the prime material uh, plane. They're mindless creatures. They are bits and pieces of flesh, metal, bones, slimes, debris, rock, possibly stone. <laughs> they constantly shift minute to minute, and they create random sets of circumstances for each round of combat because they're constantly shifting around. And a, a typical Chaos Ooze is about 12 feet long and weighs a couple thousand pounds. Yeah, wow. So... And they just collect everything into the mass of their body. doesn't matter what it is. And they say whole sections of dungeon complexes have been wiped clean of it by a chaos ooze. Furniture, tools, um, other creatures, probably, uh, anything. It will engulf any inanimate material and prefers to slay any living prey before feeding off it, so it kills you, then it absorbs you. Mm -hmm. it, as far as treasure, when it comes to this creature, it does say it's like, after it's slain, then you could probably search through the remains and see if there's anything salvageable, essentially. Because it could have, like, over its time, it could have consumed coins, gems, maybe magic items, too. So now it gets into the combat of this thing. And I, I guess the the best way to explain it is it constantly shifts its armor class, its attacks, damage, and resistances every combat round. Yeah. So there's a chart that details this. So, for example, you go into combat with the Chaos Ooze, and you'll grab 4d6, and... It says 5d6, but I believe that's a uh, that's a, uh, a typo. But you do 4d6. And I'm going to roll 4 right now. Okay. Oh, wow. This is weird. <laughs> it came up all 6s. Oh, boy. <laughs> so just use 6 straight across. It's 6 straight across. So first round, his armor class is negative 3. 6 attacks. Each, da each doing 1d20 damage. And it's immune to spells. Ow. Next I would, round. I would suggest while you're rolling that, Nick, for a DM to pre-prep this monster for a couple rounds to give you a heads up. Because yeah. instead of rolling each round and looking, you can... I would say do at least mm, six rounds. And then yeah. then you can start rolling while you're losing the rounds. So go ahead. Yeah, there you go. So now the next round goes. And this thing now is armor class five. So it went from negative three to five. It has... Five attacks for 
uh, 1d6 damage, and it is immune to fire and acid. <laughs> so, yeah, it's totally random, which I love. I mean, you could even get really devious, I suppose, and maybe each person attacking it, it has a different armor class for that person, depending on where on the creature it's attacking it. Well, yeah, I suppose you can do that, yeah. You yeah. can do that, too. I don't know. Um, but uh might want to keep it relatively simple and just stick with the 4d6 rolls. And like Vince said, uh, there's three adventure seeds along with this one where you can um, stick it into your campaign. And I'll just read one of them here. It says, A planar rift to the plane of chaos has recently appeared in the nearby wilderness. The local sage... Abigar has created a device to close the rift. He hires the adventuring group to perform this task. Unfortunately, a chaos ooze lurks, out, lurks outside the breach, waiting for any prey to encroach on its new territory. So, that's one way you can plop it into your campaign. And I've actually read this one. I'm like, I know exactly where this <sighs> is going to go in Castle Greyhawk. I got oh, the perfect boy. spot for this thing. I do. Now, so, like in any other ooze, it can engulf, which we glanced over real quick. I just wanted to go over that real quick. And it, you have to make a dexterity check to get out of the way. And if right. you fail, it engulfs you and you take 2d6 points of damage as it begins to rip apart your body and meld into the chaos ooze form. So every, if you want to break free, you got to roll a strength check each round just to break free until you're pretty much dead and absorbed into this monstrosity. What a, yeah, what a horrible way to go. Yeah, <laughs> yes. Really. Uh, so, uh, Matt, what's your favorite creature out of here? My favorite is the one that gave, just when I read the description, it just gave me the creeps. Mm -hmm. It was oh. the red-legged scissor man. Oh, I, yeah. Yeah, because when you look at the picture, you're like, okay, this looks kind of silly. It's, Corny, yeah. Looks, he's got these long, it's a creature that's got this long, uh, humanoid, long extended legs, almost like he's on stilts, got a big top hat, bushy mm -hmm. beard, looks like a suit coat, and then... Instead of fingers, it just has like scissor blades Long in place of its hands. Blades, yeah. yeah, and you're like, okay, this is just going to be silly. Then you read the description. Um, this creature, it goes around collecting thumbs. It doesn't kill people. It just cuts off their thumbs because he wants thumbs. <laughs> he just collects thumbs, yeah. He collects he's, thumbs. That's his goal. He wants mob. thumbs. He's the mob. So That's he, his thing. It's his thing. He's a, he's a fae... So, which, when you look at him, you're like, yeah, that the, cutting off thumbs seems very fae-like when you get in, down to it. Because um, they're just tall, mischievous fae who delight in fear and terror and lopping off thumbs. Yeah, that's pretty much it. There's a reason the mob does that type of thing. <laughs> fear, terror. So this could even be the mafioso. They're the mob uh, enforcers of the, of the fae realm? Yeah. Lopping oh, wow. off some thumbs. Yeah, you didn't pay. Bring the right uh, amount of treasure. Sorry, we, we're going to need to take some thumbs as payment. Snip, snip. Yeah, cause the and these creatures they're seven feet tall, so they're this giant lurking. They're almost if you envision like Slender Man in build. It's a yep. yes, and also the the ends of their arms, the scissors, they constantly drip in blood because they're mm. always lopping thumbs off. <sighs> And then they're also very stealthy because they can hide in shadows and move silently at 90%. So 
So they can be stalking you mm -hmm. for a while until you fall asleep at night and you wake up with no thumbs. Oh, yeah. They also have invisibility at will. Yeah, I read that. I'm like, oh, great. <laughs> yeah. So they, got they cast invisibility at will? Oh, sorry. Yes, yeah. yes. Yeah. Will is now invisible. And apparently also they can cast silence. That's why you can't hear him right now. Yes. Uh, they also have infravision at 60, which considering they're stalking at night, seems appropriate. Their scissors, they deal 1d12 damage, and the wounds bleed out at one point of damage each round. And you need a full round to just stop that one point of damage. So if they hit you two or three times, you're taking two or three points of damage each round, whether you take another attack or not. Yeah, that's what I was wondering. Like, this is, the damage is cumulative. I was just like, so you not only take one point of damage each round, if they hit you the next round, that's an additional, so it'd be two more bleeding points each round. Right. Yeah. I'm like, holy crap, this guy's powerful. Yeah, he'll bleed you. Yeah, snip off both your thumbs if you're not careful. You're just going to bleed out the death. Yeah. Right, which actually, if they get a natural 19 or 20, they sever your thumb. They huh. have a sever attack for crits. Yeah. So at that point, you're thumbless, and now most swordsmen, I would say, couldn't really hold their sword or shield without a thumb. No. Well, you can't shield, hold anything. <laughs> shield, maybe. Shield, I could say shield, maybe, but no. Maybe. Maybe. I mean, you're, you're doing the old, like, martial arts monkey grip at that point, where you're yeah. just... So at that point, I might let you try to hold it, maybe a dex checker every round, but, but you're not going to be hitting as much. You're going to have some severe issues with that. Plus, also, imagine a spellcaster without thumbs. Oh, jeez. Forget it. Yeah. For those, uh, when you need those elaborate hand motions, if you don't have, are your spells written so you don't need thumbs? Mm hmm You So just by lopping thumbs off, you could neuter your spellcasters. Yeah. So... Um, you can get your thumbs back, though, with the regeneration spell once they're severed. But well, that's nice. Yeah, yeah that's not. Yeah. And then then, of course, there there's a treasure for these. They have la their lair treasure is always fun because they're going to have like a dozen pickled jars of thumbs. Oh, that's a treasure. Yeah. Yes. Well, perhaps if you're trying to get the thumbs back to their owners so you can like bring back the thumb so they can regenerate well you really don't need that to do it just true. says a regeneration spell will replace the missing thumbs you don't really need your original thumb back true that is true but i suppose if you wanted to stitch them back on like ye old surgeon ye old no <laughs> no you're like no you just don't want it. and when it's gone you don't want it back I, no i want a new thumb yeah yeah but what about a hill giant thumb in a sack because yeah. that's also potential treasure a a riding stick horse. Huh? Yeah. That that's one of their treasure. Uh, are they galloping around while invisible in a riding stick on a riding stick horse like Chavo Guerrero? I knew you were gonna go there. <laughs> <laughs> was it Paco? Was his name? I don't remember. It was uh, Pepe. Pepe. That's right. Yeah. Pepe. Pepe. Yes. Chavo's stick horse. Pepe. Oh boy. Uh, then they also have a thumb necklace, a bloody silver chalice, and a teddy bear with a missing eye. Maybe the eye was stolen by another creature in this book. It's possible. Mm. And a bag with broken toy soldiers. So are they also robbing the children of their stuff 
It's just weird. Yeah. It's just creepy. Yeah. You, yeah. If you come into like a villain's lair and you see like a teddy bear with a missing eye and some broken toys, you're like, this is just unnerving. Mm-hmm. It's really weird and creepy is what it is. Yeah. Yeah. Right. And then just and then it has the adventure seeds to like mm-hmm. the Baron's daughter was recently cursed by a nasty old witch. Her hair grows uncontrollably and can't be cut by the sharpest blades. So the rumors of this fey scissor hand could cut her hair. So amongst you now things. have right. So now you have to capture the thumb collector, take him to the Baron and hope he's willing to cut her hair and not her thumbs. That's the plot. So this is just like some sort of twisted tales from the crypt. Is this Rapunzel yeah. you're, you're working with, or? Yeah, yeah, apparently, apparently she's got the Rapunzel curse. Yeah, or something like that. Yeah, or you stumble, or the other is you're traveling through the forest. You come to a village. All the children have no thumbs. Don't, don't. Yeah. Oops. That's okay. Yeah. No problem. Or you get hired by the constable to uh, solve this grisly assault scene at a household. So you can, I don't know. This creature just seems like it should be like wandering through Ravenloft doing its thing. Yes. Oh, yeah. I can picture that part of a Ravenloft campaign. Right. Just going around, terrorizing a village, lopping off thumbs, collecting broken toys. And it's only a hit dice four creature, so... I think this is pretty powerful for a hit dice for a creature, so. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, because the power comes from you can't see it. It's invisible. Yeah. It's stealthy. So it's John and Cena. If you it hits you, it. you're probably going to bleed out. Does he put his hand in front of his face and wave it back and forth? Yes, you can't see me. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, and I forgot to mention its movement's 150 feet. Ah. Ah. <laughs> <laughs> so it's quiet and quick and chaotic evil. It's just the fey version of Predator. Yes. Basically Slender Man with just this creepy ability. Yeah, yeah. Right, right. Because if it had the bleeding out and just killed you, it's one thing. But when it just wants to get your thumbs, it just just makes it more unnerving. The severing of appendages is far more creepier than just wanting to kill you. I like the little thing it has. The door flew open. He ran, In he ran. The great, long, red-legged scissor man. Snip, snap, the scissors go. And Conrad cries out, oh, oh, oh. Snip, snap, snip. They go so fast that both his thumbs are off at last. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> nice little, little, little poem there, yeah. Yeah. I you can know what? Going what? into a village and the children are singing that rhyme. <laughs> like a Freddy oh. thing? Yes. And yeah, I was just kind of thinking something like that. Where we we're kind of talking about Slenderman. If everybody knows the kind of the myth behind it, how it was generated. If you talk about him, if you you know if you write stuff about him, he'll actually come around towards you. Maybe the red-legged scissor man could be the same way. So he's like Candyman. Yeah, think about it. Candyman. That would be creepy as hell. Yeah, the kids could be like, one, two, the door open to you. Three, four, enter the red legged scissor man through the door. (laughs) I can't write it, but something like that. But yeah. Four, five, snip, snap, there your fingers go. (laughs) Something's cheesy like that. Right. Or they just say, you better be good, or the red legged scissor man gonna get you. You That's funny. Every time I read this, it reminds me of a thing what my parents used to do. I should say, my, my. Great 
uncles would do and my parents and my grandparents they used to always when we didn't go to sleep as little kids they used to always say <laughs> the Indian woman was going to come and hang you by your thumbs outside and then take you away <laughs> oh how nice yes. yes little kids that's how they used to tell us go to sleep by the Indian woman and then they would go Ooh, by the bottom oh. of the steps and <laughs> I swear yeah. to god my uncle would go like that at the bottom of the steps just to make us all scared so we'd go to sleep <laughs> <laughs> this just reminds me of that. I don't know why. I just oh my god. Yeah, I had torturous family, so that's okay. Yeah. Boogeyman's going to get you. No. Ah! Uh, and and I did also appreciate the one line where it says, "Once he collects all the thumbs in a village, he'll leave them alone." Yeah. Oh. He moves on to a new place. Oh, yeah, nice. he moves on. Yeah. So he's bored. All you gotta now. do is get uh, my work's uh, done here. <laughs> yeah. I'm gonna move on to this place called Hamlet. <laughs> <laughs> Yes. I heard they got some really good thumbs over there. Yeah. Mm. Good eats. So uh, the creature that I liked out of this was the ocular jelly. And I like it for the yeah. simple fact it looks like a big giant jellyfish floating in the sky. And it has all these eyeballs inside of it. Because that's what it basically does. It's like a scavenger, like a, kind of like a crow or something. It just follows along bigger creatures and just sucks the eyeballs out of the dead whatever's left over. And it just mm -hmm. absorbs them as food. Like, it'll kick an eyeball and it'll nourish it for like a week or so. They're only about three feet tall and they're about 40 pounds. It's an armor class of eight, uh, a hit dice two creature, but it has six tentacles which attack at once. Uh, and it only does one point of damage per tentacle. But the bad thing about this creature is it's allowed to focus on one individual and use this telekinesis to rip your eye out. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, and then it just takes the eye and it assimilates into its body. Um, let's see here. Does it say how it does it? Oh, yeah. It's just basically, as far as I can tell, it's just an attack, right? I didn't see anything else. Yeah, you get like a save versus paralyze. Oh, yes. Save versus paralyze, and then if you fail, he pulls the eye right out of you. You make a system shock, or you fall on, and if you fail, you fall unconscious for 2d4 turns, and he'll just rip your other eye out anyway at that point. Uh, if, nice. you're still, if you still pass your system shock, he'll do it again. And you get a negative tooth or anything going forward for attack-wise. And now you do a system shock roll minus 20%. And if you fail, you go fall asleep for 3d4 turns. Now, if you lose both of your eyes through this really nasty creature, you're considered a blind mm -hmm. character at that point. So blind rules do apply. And I was looking at this and... The only way to get your eyes back is to find the eyes inside the creature, put them back in your socket, and have someone cast a cure spell on you. Wouldn't regenerate just regenerate new eyes for you, or that? Yeah, I think I think, I think regeneration, regeneration would, would work, work too. But they just the made eyes? it a little easier to get your eye back than your thumbs with the red legged scissor man. Oh, I just noticed that number encountered two D four, so there yes. could be a whole bunch of these things. They, they travel in packs because that's yeah. what they do. They usually just form packs and they travel on. They're a neutral creature, so they're not like really swarming around looking to do this unless they're. But really they're hungry. equal opportunity eye suckers. Oh yeah, if they're really hungry, they don't have enough eyes. They're gonna just form a group and go out like at the Gestapo, and they're gonna come after you. So Oof. normally yeah. they just follow bigger creatures around like hide and follow them around and just like go over them whoop suck out the eyes and then move on and follow the creature mm -hmm. so the couple seeds that they have are three and um let's see here one is i think was kind of lame but the magic user originally captured one of the jellies unfortunately he has digested all of its eyes and it's close to dying 
he wants the group to find a dozen eyes to feed the beast. Really, would you want to do that as a, an adventure? Yeah. As an adventurer, you'd be like, yeah, hell no. Go away, dude. I ain't freaking finding eyes for you. I'm not going to scavenge the graveyards. I mean, would you, Nick? I mean, if you're a character, if I said that to you, an old elderly wizard's uh, like, I have well, this. Well, I don't know. I mean, depends on what he wants for eyes. Right, because yeah, it says here he has a list of species. So it could be you have to go down and hunt down, like, a bascalus and a cockatrice and a medusa. Yeah. Oh, and I forgot oh, to go. mention, the reason why in that adventure seat is like that is because depending on the eyes it absorbs, it has that ability of the eyes. So if yeah. it has infrared, if it has ability to see and uh, invisibility, it has that. So I think it actually does have the ability to do that, right? Yeah, it has that because it can actually see out of every eye it absorbs. Yeah. Grants its so superior it, vision allows them to see in the dark, detect invisible objects. Uh, they can't be backstabbed, flanked, or surprised. So these little guys, um, I like these little guys. I could see using that. This is another Ravenloft type creature, I think, in my right. opinion. We did, now even, we did even say before we started the show, how about this guy working with the red-legged scissor hands fella? Yeah. Yeah, working together hand in hand. Oh wait, did I? Oh. I went there. Sorry. <laughs> hand just in just eye. imagine you wander into a village where er, all the eyes have been plucked out and no one has thumbs. Now that's just even extra creepy. <laughs> yes. Oh, the uh, other adventure scene was you're traveling through the woods. You come across a druid stumbling about. His eyes have been torn out. He recently was exploring a cave system and was attacked by one of the jelly. He pleads the group to search in the cave system and find his eyes. How would you know what his eyes look like? Uh, <laughs> I have brown okay. eyes. Uh, there's like 20 different brown eyes in here, dude. <laughs> right. Do these work? And you just keep trying to plug them in his <laughs> eye <Yeah>. sockets. <laughs> How about this? Nope. 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 Oh, okay. Nope. <laughs> you can have his Great. back. Jelly, you <laughs> no. can have his back. <laughs> right. <laughs> So, yeah, you have uh, three adventure seats for this one. And finally, the last creature on here is a steam beast, which is kind of interesting. Mm. How it's like this glassed, encased, two creatures like elementals, a water plane and a fire plane elemental kind of warped into one thing. And that's what causes the steam to come out of this. And the biggest thing about this creature that I thought was really, really nasty that it, it can do a, a breath weapon. Uh, what was it, once around, or where the heck was that? I saw it here for a second. Oh, uh, he has a steam... Uh, once every D for 1d4. Yes. A blast of steam, and it's equal to whatever his hit points are. So, yeah. looking at the creature, it's a, what, seven hit seven dice creature? Hit dice. Imagine it starts It starts off the first round blasting the steam at everybody. Yeah. That could kill quite a few people in the party. Yes, it yeah. could. You're just scalded to death. How nice. Right. It gets it's two flash. attacks for 1d6 each with two claws, and it has an armor class of six. It travels 120. Jeez. It's chaotic evil, and number of appearing is one, listed as 2d4, though. Right. And don't forget, though, when you... How does that happen? If you, if you defeat one of these, it bursts into hundreds of shards of heated glass doing 2d6 damage in a 30-foot radius. Yeah, after you defeat it, it blasts the glass shatters and... Yeah. I think the 2d4 maybe might be referring to if, because it, it does say steam beasts are rumored to have been created by the Efreet in the city of Brass. Mm -hmm. So maybe that's where you'll encounter more of them, since the 2d4. Right, where where there be where the steam beasts are made. Yeah, steam beast factory. <sighs> yeah, 
<laughs> or somewhere in the city, city of Nebraska, they said they were used as guardians. So, hmm. They normally roam the inner planes, it says as well. But I wonder, I guess you can say, like, want to kind of escape through that portal that the jelly came through, maybe. There you go. And, right. and hand in There's hand. Yeah, you know, the chaos So, uh, um, which one of the adventuries do you like out of that, Matt? Oh, out of this one. I, let's see. Well, there is the clan of the fire giants that I, there's nothing like having a giant uh, fire giant wanting to attack a village and this is their uh their first wave of attack they send their doggy yeah. out to attack Woof. yes yes the, these are their pets apparently they have these merged <laughs> elementals and glass things so that was fun and then the other with the uh fire marshes of abutar lies a barrow mound that houses the tomb of the great ifrit lord so basically you're a tomb raider at that point and it's guarded by four of these steam beasts so if you wanted to go on a treasure hunt, you, you always have that. And then the last one is you just need to get a ring of fire resistance. And, oh, you go to the fiery place and these things are rumored to be there. But, yeah, I, I think either because you could have some fun with the fire giants wanting to take over the uh, village. You could even throw it into against the giants with all of that. That whole story arc. Throw yeah. some oh, that of these would be in interesting. There. Yeah. yeah, yeah. That would be unexpected. Yeah. You're like, oh, we're doing against the Giants. We know it's coming up. What are these? I don't remember the Giants having pets. <laughs> or at least not pets like this. <laughs> yes. <laughs> All right. So overall rating, I'll start myself this time first. Uh, Beast Folio, uh, done by Broken Tower Games, 11th World Compatible Project, BF1, Volume 1. I'm going to say I like these creatures a lot, so I'm going to give it a big solid four out of five swords. I enjoyed this thoroughly. I'm, I'm giving it the one drop down because of the typos and the confusion on a few little details. I think you you fix those up, it'd be a tight product of a five of five. Nick, your thoughts? Uh, totally agree. Four out of five uh, swords, um, and for the same reasons, uh, for, minus the typos and stuff. If they weren't there, I would definitely give it five. But yeah, I could see good uses for all four of these creatures. Matt? Yeah, and I'm going to be a broken record because I absolutely agree with you guys. This is a definite four out of five. There's a, When you look at these creatures, your, your the ideas in your brain just start turning and you're like, ooh, I could use it in all of these existing adventures and modules just to put a different spin on them. Not yep. to mention, it just, the all these are very creative and spark so many different like adventure hooks for me that I'm like, this is great. But again, though, it just needs that little extra coat of polish on it to make it a five star product. Like just a little bit of editing and it's there. Mm -hmm. So it's a pay what you want. So why not go over there, throw them a buck and uh, give them a, a good review on uh, RPG Now or drive through whichever one you prefer, even though they're the same company. <laughs> Do they have other volumes of this series yet? I didn't see anything else, but then again, I really wasn't looking, to be honest, Nick. I mean, I saw that someone sent it to us via email. Oh, okay. Uh, well, we'll poke around some more. Maybe there is. Yeah, it, it actually wasn't even the owners. It was just someone's like, hey, this is a cool product you guys should look at. I used it for one of my campaigns. Uh, I believe it was, if I can look through the email real quick, his name was John, I believe. I don't remember. He didn't put a last name. So, John, thank you very much for that. And we uh, we got to reviewing it and a little later than we suspected or your email sent. But, hey, we got to it, right? That's what counts. Yeah. Yep. 
So I guess that's going to wrap up the show this week, and uh, we'll be back with some more. If you have any products you want us to review, we'll be more than happy to because we enjoy the OSR products made by the community. Uh, so you can give us an email, rfistaff at gmail.com, or hit us up at 570-865-4210 where we have orcs standing by. Yes. Yeah, because we had that whole incident where the kobolds and yeah. Yeah, they just went on strike, so we had to hire new people that were, you know, not as smart. Yeah. So pig face uh, orcs too. Yes, pig face. Yeah. We orcs. spare no expense. Yes, they're not the, uh, you know, uh, disgusting ones or the ones that look like the Lord of the Ring ones. These are just the pig face dopey ones. Yep. Right. So keep it original, keep it old school, and good night, everybody. Good night. Goodbye, everybody. Podcast is a production of Wild Games Productions in association with d20radio.com. You can visit us at rfipodcast.com or contact us on our forums at osrgaming.org or even by calling us at 570-865-4210. This podcast is produced for entertainment purposes only. All other uses are prohibited. And remember, if your magic missile spell doesn't automatically hit, you're playing the wrong edition. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time on Roll for Initiative. Roll for Initiative.